And, um, you know, if you've noticed, a lot of marriages are struggling. A lot of marriages are, are just struggling and bumping along. And, and I believe we can have an yeah. honoring, a God-honoring, yeah. um, great marriage. Yeah. I believe it's possible. Yeah. Does anyone else believe yeah. that's possible? Um, and so that's what we want to share with you. Uh, here for the next three weeks, the next three Sundays, uh, we're going to be identifying and, and talking about uh, healthy marriage, yeah. real marriage, and, and um, how we can have the very best marriage possible. Um, how many of you have done some wild things in the name of love before? You've done some wild stuff in the name of love. I, uh, I, did, a, I did something kind of wild in the name of love. I, uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I met this lovely bride of mine, and um, uh, a lot of people have said to me, boy, you really married up, and I got to admit, I have married up, 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 up um, in, in, in a big way, but when I was in the ninth grade, I don't know how many of you have ever heard this story, but I've shared this, shared this uh, before, especially in our uh, newcomers classes and stuff, because uh, people want to know how we met. And so um, I was in driver's ed class in ninth grade, and she was in the class with me. And I didn't even know, I didn't know her name, and she was just in the class. Uh, ninth grade, she caught my eye, and after the class was over, I never saw her again. I, I was like, where did she go? Where did that lady, where did that chick go? And so... Um, I found out she actually didn't even go to school where we had our driver's ed classes. Um, she went to a private school, Christian. a Christian school. And, um, and so uh, I decided in the, in the 12th grade, I told my mom and dad, when I found out that she was at this Christian school, I told my mom and dad, I said, I want to go uh, to this Christian school. I want to quit the Anoka High School. I'd gone there my whole life. And um, I said, I want to go to the Christian school. And they said, have you lost your mind? And I said, I, I, they're, 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 I just feel like I need to go to the Christian school. So I found out the Christian school wasn't free. Um, and so it cost $1,400 a year. Well, you we're talking, you guys, back nearly 40 years ago, okay? Right. We're talking, um, you know, 30, 38 years ago. Yeah. Um, so $1,400 was a chunk of change back then. And um, so, so I said, well, uh, yeah, we want, I want to go to the Christian school. And they said, well, if you're going to go to the Christian school, you're going to pay for it. So I got a job, and I started saving, and I saved up enough money to go for a half a year. So I went my last semester of high school. My senior year, I left my, my, my Anoka High School, and I went to this private school because I was pursuing her. Wild, huh? And so, true story, true story. And um, in here today, uh, we are married and uh, happily married after 36 years. And, um, and, and, and it was awesome. It was, it was worth the pursuit. I had my eye on the target, and I went after the target. Can you say amen? Um, here, here's what we want to talk about this morning is... is the, the life of pursuit. You yeah. guys have got to pursue right. one another. What happens so many times in marriages yeah, is not. we stop pursuing. Right. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. By nature, we pursue what we do not have. Right. You go. guys, by nature, we pursue what we do not have. Yeah. So, by nature... If there's something you really want, you are going to pursue it with all your heart. Um, but then once we get it, it's like the pursuit stops. Most of you have, you know, maybe not 
quite as, uh, as dramatic of a story as what I just shared with you about pursuing your spouse or, or your married one or your lovely one or, or your sweetie pie or whoever it is. But um, you, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you know, drove 20 minutes in a snowstorm just to get to that lady or that guy that you wanted to visit. You'd go through the snowstorm. Uh, you remember the days where you would get on your phone and you'd be like, I'm not going to say goodbye. You say goodbye. <laughs> I'm not going to say goodbye. You say goodbye first. You say goodbye. And you play that game. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And so you, you all understand what I'm talking about. But it's the principle of pursuit. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, it says, A man leaves his father and mother and is what? Is joined, united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now the Hebrew word there for united is debak. Everyone say debak. Debak. I know you don't care about the Hebrew word, but what that literally means is to cling. Debak, adhere, to catch by pursuit. There you go, there it is. To pursue hard with affection or pursue hard with devotion. Here's another verse in Psalm 63, verse 8. Another translation for a debauch is, I follow close behind you. Come on. I follow close, close behind you. Close. Now that's not talking about a stalker. No. Okay? No. I follow close behind you. And then in Job chapter 41, verse 17, it says, They joined fast to one another, they cling together and cannot be parted. Cling together. And then in Judges chapter 20, verse 43, they pursued hard after them. They were united. They pursued hard after one another. They pursued hard. And therefore, they became one flesh. Pursue hard. Pursue one another. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's what we want to get in your heart today is the principle of pursuit. You know, I think the Bible has actually one of the most beautiful stories of pursuit. I don't know if you remember the story of Jacob and Leah. It's in the Old Testament, Genesis 29. You can read the whole story, but let me give it to you real quick in a nutshell here. There was a man named Laban that had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And it's interesting that the Bible actually spends one whole Bible verse talking about and describing what they looked like. I find that very interesting. The Bible actually says that Rachel was beautiful in form. That's like the Bible way of saying she was a hottie. Okay? Yeah. She was sexy. She had a good figure. She was beautiful in form. Are you all with me? Yeah. It's like the Bible saying this, this gal had it. She was cute. And it goes on to say, not only did she have a great figure, she was beautiful in form, but she was beautiful in appearance. I find it is interesting that the Bible took the time to describe to us what Jacob looked like, or what Rachel looked like. And Rachel looked like that to Jacob. He saw, he took notice. And then uh, Rachel had an older sister named Leah. And it's so interesting. It's almost like they were trying to find something nice to say. So the Bible says, well, she had delicate eyes. So for Leah, they say she had delicate eyes. For, for Rachel, they're going, man, this, she was beautiful in form and appearance. Yeah. So we know that Jacob <clears throat> fell in love with Rachel. And he went to the father, as was the custom in that day, asked for Rachel in marriage. And here's what the father said. Here's what Laban said. He said, you can have her if you work for me for seven years. Everybody say seven years. Seven years. Come on, guys. Think of that for a minute. Seven years. Seven years. How many men today, I was thinking, would be willing to work for their girl for seven years? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is I was reading this story. It actually says that Jacob agreed to do that. 
And those years seemed simply as days to him because he was so in love mm. with Rachel. It's like, aw. Yeah. All the ladies say, aw. Come Aww. on. It's like he was willing not only to work for seven years, but to him it seemed like nothing. Those years flew by because he was so in love with Rachel. So the seven years get up. We all know the story. What happens? The father deceives uh, Jacob, and he gives him Leah. And how many of you can just see the look on his face? Like, uh, wait a minute, this wasn't the deal, right? This wasn't the bargain. This wasn't what we agreed to. So the father said, okay, tell you what, I'll also give you Rachel, but you need to commit to working another seven years. Come on, yeah. you all with me? Yeah. So he had Rachel, they got married, but he stayed and worked another seven years. And you know what that says to me? Is he was willing to pursue her even after he had her even after they were married. And this is something that we need to keep alive in our marriages today. That's why we're talking about this principle of pursuit. Everybody say pursuit. Pursuit. It's something you need to keep alive in your marriage relationship, even after the marriage has begun. See, you, know, you all know that when you're dating and when you want that person, you are like all spiffed up and sharpened up and shined up Come and on. polished up. And Come on. You're at your best. You look your best. You smell your best. You go to the best places. Come on. And then sometimes marriage happens and then we let it slip. Yeah. And so we're here to tell you if you want to keep your marriage alive and fresh and that passion, you've got to be pursuing one another. And I just want to encourage yeah. those of you that maybe are not married but maybe you're dating, uh, if you're in a relationship and there is not pursuit going on, on both ends, I'd really encourage you to reevaluate that relationship. Because even though we think of the guy as pursuing the girl, I mean, I, I knew when he started pursuing me, I pursued him right back because I was interested. You and bet so, she did. <laughs> and, so, and so I just wanted to let you know, if, if you're not seeing that pursuit... If it's only happening on one end, then I would reevaluate that yeah. relationship. Yeah. Because what you want to see when you get married is that, that pursuit. I just, it just touches me that Jacob was like, no big deal. Another seven years? Yeah, I can do that because I love this woman. He was willing to pursue even after he had her. Amen. So that's what we want to talk about yes. is how do you make this real? How do you, how do you bring this to life? How do you really pursue? Because you guys, nobody gets married with the idea that we want to have a bad marriage, right? right? Nobody gets married with the idea that our intimacy is just going to fall away and we're not going to be intimate anymore. Um, none of us get married with the idea that after seven years, we're going to split stuff up and I'm going to get to visit my kids on the weekends. We don't, we don't get married with those intentions. And yet, um, how do we continue the pursuit yes. and keep the pursuit going on? Yes. How do we make that happen? Yes. I know sometimes we get tired, we get worn out, right. we get overwhelmed yep. with the way things are. But we're going to share with you three simple things yep. to close the gap. Close the gap because people have good intentions, but they don't bring it into action. Right. So we're gonna close that and gap. so how do you close the gap between, between intentions? Because if I was to ask all of you, what, what are your intentions? Right. You know, they're all good. They're, you have good intentions, right. but do you have them put into action? Yeah, got to back them up with action. So what are these, what are these three simple scripturally based principles to pursue your mate and close the gap between intentions and actions. So number one, I'll let you start with number one. This is going to help you out. Are you ready? I think if you take notes, I believe you retain things more when you write them down. And so that's why we hand out notes. You certainly don't have to take notes. I know you can even take them now, what do they call it, interactive and online if, if you're not into the writing. But I love writing things down. So write this down. When you think something good... Say it. When you think yeah. something good, say, say it. it. How many of you, if you're honest, can think of many times when you've thought something good about your spouse, but you just left it there to thought? And you know what? That thought is never going to be a blessing to another person. That thought can never be a blessing to your spouse if you keep it inside. 
It's not a blessing till it's spoken. A blessing is spoken. And so when you're thinking something good about your spouse, say it. Don't keep it inside. Don't rob them of that blessing. Amen. Now, one thing for us, when we teach you guys, we want to have principles for you that are practical, but also Bible-based. Here's a scripture that is so interesting. Hebrews chapter 13. Listen to what it says. It says, encourage, that means uplift, that means saying something positive. Yeah. Encourage one another daily. Another translation says, while it's still today. So another translation says every day. So we hear right here, the Bible says, encourage one another when? Daily. Encourage one another when? Daily. I, I still can't hear you. Yeah. Encourage one another when? Daily. There, you, there go. you go. That means every day. See, a lot of times we think, well, I gave, just gave him a compliment yesterday. I just built you up yesterday. What are you expecting? No, the Bible says, encourage one another daily. daily. You know what? When you're giving uplifting words to your spouse every day, I mean, it's amazing how I look at Bible scriptures and I think, man, if we would just do that right there, just one little part of the word, think of how it would change your marriage. Right there. We could just stop right there, encourage one another daily, and every marriage in this place would change Yeah. if we were doing that. Uplifting, encouraging one another daily. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It actually goes on and even explains why this is so important. Look at this. Do you see this? Encourage one another daily. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Wow. I mean, that's a good place to say, wow, because that's really deep. You know why? Yeah. It says, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. That tells me that God is saying encouragement is so important, it will actually keep sin out of your relationship. Encouragement is so powerful, it will actually keep your hearts from being, what does it say? Hardened. Yeah. Encouragement and uplifting words are so powerful that the Bible tells me it will actually keep deceit, deceitfulness away from your relationship. That's, that's like a wow. That's like a wow moment for us because it's saying encouragement can actually keep a hard heart, deceit, and sin away from your marriage relationship. So one of the ways you keep all that out is by encouraging one another when? Daily. Daily. Every day. Every Daily. day say a word of encouragement. Every day say a word that uplifts them at some point in the day. Whether yeah. it's the morning or evening, just at some point, encourage one another daily. Yeah. Just that little thing right there. And it doesn't just it would go change one relationships. way. I shouldn't just be encouraging her, but she should be encouraging me. That's what the Bible me. says, one another. Encourage you know? one another. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, some of you are really good about, you're, you're like, well, he isn't encouraging me, or she's not encouraging me. Well, what about you encouraging them? I mean, it goes both ways, you guys. Both ways. And I got to say, I, 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 I do literally try and live this out in my life. I do try and live this out. I, every day, I don't know that there's ever been a day that goes by where I don't say I love you. Where I don't say that, you know, I love you because you're the one that's perfect for me. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you're the only one for me. You're my one and only. That type of stuff. We let each other know that all the time. I'm continually telling him, you are the only one for me. Because you know what that does? It reminds him that my eyes only see him. My heart is only after him. It's Amen. so important. Amen. Yeah. And so let me give all you guys just a little bit of advice. And then she's going to give you ladies a, a word of, of encouragement and advice also. But uh, guys, when you pursue your spouse... Pursue her with words of affection. affection. Yes. Everyone say affection. affection. Women need affection. Come on, say affection. affection. Pursue her with words of affection. And I want to encourage you, pursue her with non-sexual affection. Mm -hmm. yeah. You guys, non-sexual. Yeah. Yeah. Pursue her with non-sexual. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now. Because everything that you do is sexual. And, and, and it, your, your mind just goes there. It's not because you're a pervert. You're a guy. You're a guy. 
but, but pursue her with non-sexual affection. Non-sexual affection. Let me give you an example of, 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 of something that it's a real good practical tool that I've learned to implement in my life. And I think it could help out some of you guys. When you say I love you, always add the word because and then change the ending every time. Yeah. Don't just say I love you. Yeah. I love you. You say, I love you because, and then you change the ending as often as you can. As often as you can. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you stayed faithful to me for all these years. I love you because you're an amazing mother to my children our children. I love you because you put God center. I love you because you pursue after him. I love you because you're absolutely my best friend. You see what I'm saying, guys? Don't just say, I love you, but I love you because, and you, you know, I love you because you put up with all my quirks. That's a big deal. I'm a super quirky guy. If you only knew. I mean, some of you, let me just say it from a preacher's standpoint. Some of you sit back and you're like, well, you know, if, if my husband, you know, was really a God-centered man and followed after God, you know, and, and if he was just like pastor and, yeah. and, and did something. Listen, yeah. you don't live with Pastor Joe. <laughs> I am not all that. I've got a lot of weird quirks that most of you would never put up with. But she's put up with me for 36 years. You're worth it. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Words I of mean, affection. pursue her with words, words of affection. affection. Yeah. She needs it. Mm-hmm. Your spouse needs it. Your yeah. wife needs it. Bring, it brings words tremendous value to yes. her when she hears those words, words of affection. Of affection. security. Yeah. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. If you, if you think something good, say it. Yes, yeah. And you know what? Let me help you on that non-sexual touch thing because what can happen in a marriage relationship when you've been married for a while is the only time you touch her is when you're ready to have sex, when you're ready to go a little farther. So it's simply meaning that there are times when you will just embrace her and give her those sweet words without always it leading to sex. That's really important. Amen. And here's another thing um, for you ladies. It's important to pursue him with words of affirmation. Yeah. See, affection is important to a woman, but affirmation is very important to a man. And ladies, I just want to remind you that your spouse is becoming what you see him as. However you see him is is who he's becoming. He will be what you see. That's an easy way to remember it. So how you view him and how you see him is so important. And the thing is, you start speaking what you see. And that's why your words are so important, because your words are like seeds that are going to produce a harvest. So what I want to encourage you to do is try to stay away from saying what he is not. Try to stay away from speaking everything that he's not. You never do this, or you don't do this, or why can't you be this? That's very defeating to a man. Yep. In fact, he'll just pick up his baseball and bat and put it down and quit. He'll just throw in the towel and quit if he hears that too much because he just feels like no matter what he can do, he can't get it right. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, here's another Bible nugget for this point that is so true. Listen to this. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. Mm -hmm. 
Do you see what the Bible is saying here? Not only is it going to be sweet to your spirit and your emotions for your soul, it's actually healthy for you physically. When you use pleasant words in your home and in your marriage, it is actually going to help you feel better physically. Do you know that a lot of people that are beaten down and sick physically, it's because it started with something emotional that was yeah. very heavy? And so the Bible's saying right here, man, pleasant words, encouraging words, uplifting words, they are sweet to your soul and they will bring health to your bones. And then the Bible also reminds us in Proverbs that harsh words only stir up anger. And so harsh words aren't going to get you anywhere. So when you start the conversation with harsh words, guess what? The result is just going to be anger. But when you start the conversation with pleasant words, What's that going to bring? Sweetness. That's going to bring healing. So when you think something good, say it. I so love it. your words are so powerful. He will become what you continually speak. So instead of saying what you don't see, start speaking what you want to see. Man, I love it when you do this. I love it when you're like that. I know that you're, you can be this. I know that you can be that. I know that you're becoming this. You encourage them with your words. It's words of affirmation. So pursue with words of affirmation. Because man, man, she wants to know, you know, the, the affection, the reason affection is important to women, those words of affection, is because she wants to know, do you love me today? Again, every day she needs to know that. And ladies, for men, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? Yeah. That's what words of affirmation do. It lets you today. know that you believe in him today. Every day. That's why the Bible says, encourage one another, what? Daily. Every day. Amen. Number two, write this down. This is a good one. When you think something special, do it. Love that. When you think something special, you do it. We're helping you to continue that pursuit, you guys. Don't just have good intentions, but put it into action. Put it into action. And when you think something special, do, do it. it. Come on. Every time. Anytime. In, in James chapter 4, verse 17, yeah, listen to what this says. If we can apply this to marriage, right. you know, kind of loosely here. It says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If anyone knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You guys, anytime you know something good that would be a blessing, do it. Amen. Don't just think it. Do it. I mean, whatever it might be. Now, I understand, uh, and, and, and this, is, this is huge, but... You guys, I understand that if you've got little kids at home, it is, it is really a romantic thing for you as men to get those little kids, those dirty little kids all cleaned up at the end of the day. Yeah, Give them a bath. Yeah. Help get them ready for bed. Yes. Um, wash them up. I know, I know Tara, she, she, she trained Adam really well. He's, he's like, he's on it, man. He, he, he does it. He, he's, he's got it down really well. And, um, and I used to help, and I used to do that. Maybe not as much as Adam. He's like right on it, but... Uh, you know, it's important because being with little kids all day is exhausting. I don't know if you've noticed that. We've re been reminded of that because we have five little grandbabies now. And we, when we have them over, all five of them, we're really wiped out. But even if we just have two, it's exhausting. Even if we have one. Yeah. <laughs> we are like exhausted at the end of the evening. And so what he's saying is really important. Help, yeah. the, help her out. And you know what? Here's a bonus, guys. If you help her out, she'll have more energy for you at the end of the day. So there you go. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So think out of the box and, and, you know, load the dishwasher. You might, I mean, that, that would just go a long way. When you think something good, do it. I love it. When you think something special, just do it. So good. Don't just think about it. Don't just go, well, I should, but I won't. Do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number I, three. I think these are really practical things that will help you. When you think something good, what? Number one, say it. When you think something special, do it. 
So first we're going to say it, we're going to do it. Here's another one. You ready? When you want something different, be it. I like that. Think about when that for a minute. If you need something different, different maybe you need to be it yourself. Very In good. other words, instead of noticing about what your spouse is not, how about focus on being what you know you need to be and wh who you should be? How about if it starts with focusing on ourselves? So many times we use the excuse, well, if they would do this, then I'd do this. If, if they would be, if he'd be better at this, then I would do this. And if he'd do that first, then I, you know what? That's going to be a miserable game that's going to go around and around yeah. and around and get you nowhere. doesn't work. How about if you look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm just going to be the spouse that I want him to be. Whatever I want him to be, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that in myself. In fact, I'm going to focus on being the best spouse that I can be. I don't know if any of you have noticed. Have you noticed that we really can't change anybody else? Have you noticed? Have you, have you tried that? It doesn't really work. So the person that we really can change is ourselves. Do you know that the Bible says that? Let a man examine himself. Yeah. I guarantee you right now, half of you listening to this message are thinking, oh yeah, boy, I hope she hears that, or I hope he hears that, or mm. hope they hear that. They need to hear that. No, start thinking about yourself. How can you apply this message to become a better you? How can you apply this message to become a better spouse? How can you change some things to make your marriage Come better? On. I just want to encourage you today, look at yourself because it starts with you. Everybody say, it starts with me. Starts it starts with, with me. me. Say it again. It starts, starts with, with me. me. And you know what? When you make changes within yourself to be the best that you can be, what it does, number one, it's going to cause you to look to the Lord because you're going to say, God, help me to be the best that I can be. And it's going to take your eyes and your frustrations off of always thinking about what they're not and start focusing on how can I be better? Yeah. How can I be more like Christ? Yeah. How can I make my marriage better? So when the Bible says examine yourself, that's, what's, that's what it's talking about. Look at your behavior. Look at your heart. Look at your actions. What can you do to change? Because it starts with us. I just want you to know that leading by example is much more effective than nagging. So be the example. Be, be what you want to see. For example, yeah. let's say you're frustrated that he tends to be on his phone a lot or looking at his phone. And if you've noticed in this generation, that, that happens a lot. I catch myself. Even the other day at London's birthday party, I was just starting to scroll through Facebook. And she looked at me and said, look, nanny. And she wanted my attention. And I realized my eyes were down on my phone. So I put my phone away purposely in my purse and zipped it up. Because you know what? When you're with your kids, you're never going to have that moment again. And I believe we're growing up with this generation of kids that are used to looking at their parents and their eyes are always on their phone. Start having your eyes on your kids, your focus on your kids, your focus on your spouse. And if they don't notice, don't get all ticked off, keep at it because it's only going to make you get better. And so I've made that choice now, and we both have had to work on this, that when our kids are around, when our grandbabies are around, we're going to put the phone away. There's nothing so important that we can't set it aside for a couple hours and totally focus on our kids. Now, our grandbabies, their faces light up when they look at you, and they see your eyes on them, and they know you're watching, and they know you're paying attention. Parents, it's the same for you. It's the same in your marriage. If you're out for a date, if you're on a walk, just put that phone away. It can wait Focus on one another. Look each other in the eye. Learn to listen and really understand. So my it's point really here is if you want something different, be it. Become what you want to see in your marriage. Become that person. If you want something different, be it. You've always heard us say this. If you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've, you've never, never done. done. Right? We've said that a lot. It's yeah. kind of a common thing we say. But here's a new one. Here's something to apply to your marriage. If you want to get back what you once had, then do what you once did. I love In that other words, right that's really what you the Bible's talking about in Revelation chapter 2. Yeah. The Bible says this. It says, you've left your first love. Go back and do the things you did first. Do the things you did first. Some of you just need to go back and do those things you first did when you fell in love. Some of you just need to go back and do those first things that you were first doing for each other. Revive some of that passion. Rekindle some of that romance. So if you want something you once had, 
I've got to make sure I say this right. If you want to get back what you once had, it's important to remember to do what you once did. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, we want to end uh, this this morning um, with a couple questions because people ask us questions all the time. We'll get, we'll get people sending us messages and, and just asking us questions about marriage, about relationships, um, about our relationship yeah, and different things and, and, and how does it work for us? What, how do we make it work? One of the questions that, that somebody asked is, is how do we pursue one another? How do we continue, how do we continue to pursue one another. I mean, after, after, after 36 years yeah. of marriage, how do we continue to pursue one another? And um, the, the, the one thing that, where I want to take this is there's a great book out there that if you've never read it, I would highly recommend yeah. every married couple to read. Um, and it's called The Love Languages. Yeah. The five love languages, and, and, and you need to identify, there's a little test in there, and you need to identify what your spouse's love language is. It's super important. Because if you don't know what your spouse's love language is, you could, you could be doing things that are really important to you because that's your love language. But it may not be her love language. And so I could hug her, and, and, and it's not like it won't be important to her, but if hugging is my, if touch is my love language, it's not going to fill up her love bank. So I need to know what her love language is. And one of the ways that, that we continue to pursue each other is I know what her love language is. Her love language is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. I could buy her all the gifts in the world, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't care about gifts. But if, I, if all I do is just, just um, buy her gifts and, and vacuum the floor at, at the house for her or fill up the dishwasher... Um, if I give her the hugs and that kind of stuff, but I never give her words of affirmation, I'm not filling her love bank. And then he's going to get frustrated because he'll feel like, well, I'm doing all these nice things. So that's why it's really important to know what your spouse's love her, language her, is. Hers is words of affirmation. Yeah. So it's important for me to let her know that she's beautiful to my eyes. Right. And, and I t- I, I've learned, you know, this is something I've grown in because I'm not a big words of affirmation right. person. Um, I, words of affirmation aren't a big deal for me. I don't need to have people tell me, oh, that was a great message. I don't care if you thought it was a great message or not. <laughs> um, so that doesn't mean so much to me, but it means a lot to her. And so I've had to learn to say to, to her, you know, you're, you're amazing. You're beautiful. And I've taken it a step further. I'll say, you know, rather than just saying those jeans look awesome, I'll say you make those jeans look really awesome. You know, that's a really great blouse, but I don't think anyone else could make that blouse look as good as you do. There you go. Hold other level. Lifts up, Amen. you know, it, I'm pursuing her. Yeah, exactly. I'm pursuing her. Amen. And so that's just one thing that I do. Yeah. And so those love languages, you guys, if just in case you're wondering what they are, words of affirmation, gifts, Quality time, acts of service, and what's the fifth one? Physical touch. Physical touch. Physical touch. And you know what? Over the course of time, those things can change. 
So I encourage you, you might think you know what it, it was four years ago, but I'd encourage you to maybe retake the test because mine's changed. My, mine, mine used to be physical touch. Physical touch is not as important to me as acts of service and quality time. Acts of service and quality time are higher on my list than physical touch. But about five, six years ago, physical touch was way up there. Was way up there. So it's important change. to know. Yeah, for, for swimming, sometimes it can change every day, huh? Okay, here we go. Here's another thing Ooh, that... <laughs> isn't that the truth? <laughs> here's another thing that, um, because we get asked this question, here's another thing that I do for him in how we continue to pursue one another is I have learned that quality time means a lot to him. And so it's very easy for me to fill up my schedule between my grandbabies, which I love being with my grandbabies. I love being with my kids. And then I've got people at church that need appointments and time with them and getting uh, small groups started and all that. So my time can be very consumed if I'm not careful. And so it means a lot to him when I'll say, tonight is our night. Because I remember for a couple weeks he was like, well, who's coming over tonight? Who do you have tonight? Who do you have today? Because if I didn't have Ryland or Braylon or London or Summer or now little baby Jack. So it really meant a lot to him when he saw that I was purposely leaving an evening just for him. And I want to remind you guys. Because I'm kind of important. <laughs> yes, he's kind of important. And so it would mean a lot to him when I would say tonight is our night. And it didn't necessarily always mean going out and doing something. I don't know if it's just because we're getting older, but one of our favorite things to do now is turn on the fireplace, pop some popcorn, and sit down and watch a 48-hour mystery or a Dateline mystery or 2020. Those are our three favorites. In fact, I can't think of about anything else that we watch. And we love it. We'll be sitting there and we'll be like, can you believe it? Because it's always got a twist. You know, you always think you know the answer of who did it and they did it and then it's got this twist to it and you just can't believe it. So my example is find something that you enjoy doing together, even if it's sitting. I mean, we're not even necessarily all the time sitting together. He's in his recliner. I'm in my chair. I got my popcorn. He's got his. But it's just we enjoy just those evenings together. Sometimes we enjoy walks together. That's one thing we really enjoy. And so I'll say, okay, hon, today at 2 o'clock, I've got an appointment with you. We're going to the mall, and we're going to do walking. Because we love walking, but how many of you know in Minnesota, you really can't do that outside anymore in the winter. So we've learned that if we do every floor at the mall one time all the way around, we can get our three miles in. And so it's three miles every floor. So we'll go do that. And then we'll sit down afterwards at Crave and get a salad or something. We don't always have to... You don't always have to make it expensive to be together, but just right. find what it is that touches your spouse's heart and make sure that you do that. So that's just a few things that we do. You know, you can take walks outside, but we've gotten a little wimpy. We it's freezing gotten, out there. No, I know, you we've can. gotten a little wimpy <laughs> in our older age. Um, but one other question is, how do you add value to yes. your marriage? How do you add, do value, you add value to your mar marriage? And um, I just want to say, if something's important to her, it's got to be important to me. Yep. If it's okay. important to her, it's important to me. Yes. And um, just always keep that in, in perspective. Yes. If it's important to, to your spouse, it should be important to you. That's a really important point because a lot of times I hear people say well that's just not my thing okay maybe it's not your thing but marriage is not all about your thing marriage is now a partnership it's about the both of you so if it matters to them you need to say let's do that tonight it might not be your thing but if it's their thing make it your thing here's another uh, little key that I think can help add value to your marriage it seems like there's always one in the marriage that's a little bit more of a tightwad, right? That's a little bit more touchy about spending money. I mean, one of them is like, they, they can just go all out. They don't even see the dollar sign. And the other one is always counting up the dollars. So if, if you tend to be the tightwad, let's say it's the guy, if you tend to be the tightwad, what can add value to your marriage and go miles is when you're willing to spend money on her. Because she knows you're tightwad. So being willing to spend money. Maybe, it's, maybe it is a necklace that was a little bit of an ouch for your budget. Maybe it's um, a night out, not at McDonald's, but at a really nice steakhouse or something that she knows costs you money and you planned for it and you're doing it willingly. 
with a smile, not saying all night, not always reminding her, this costs me a lot of money, this costs a lot of money. You're going to shoot the whole purpose down right there. What, what, if a, a, it was, good. what if it was a total surprise that you got her a ticket to somewhere warm and you just spent a couple days at a resort? I mean, I know that not everybody can do that right now. I'm just saying it's somewhere in the course of your marriage that could go miles for her knowing that you were willing to spend money. It can go both Amen. ways. Sometimes it's the other way around, but add value. And then here's the most important way to add value. Are you ready? Be willing to listen and understand. Sometimes we are only listening with one ear and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it goes a no whole nother mile when you listen and look at her and you say, I understand. Instead of making an excuse and saying, well, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. That's how you took it. That's how you heard it. Excuse yeah. me if you were offended. No, that doesn't cut it. You need to be willing to listen and understand and say, you know what? When I said that, I'm sorry it made you feel this way. Because sometimes it's not even, you didn't even say something wrong. It was how it made her feel. And so adding value, this is huge when you're willing to listen and understand. Amen? Amen. So don't miss the next couple of weeks, you guys. Um, you're going to really be... It'll help you. You're going to really be challenged and blessed, and it really will help you in your marriage, but it's also going to help you single people so that you... Uh, can enter into your marriage uh, in a healthy way, in a healthy way. Can you say amen to that? Let me pray for all your marriages, if you would. Just bow your heads with me this morning. God, I, I just pray for every single marriage and every single relationship. I pray, Lord, uh, for healing in marriages that have been hurting. I pray, Lord, for restoration to take place where there's been brokenness in their relationship. I pray, God, for forgiveness to come forth and repentance where there's been sin and betrayal that's happened in that relationship. I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing restoration, and I pray restoration over every single marriage in this place. I thank you, Lord, that the blessings of God and the intimacy in their relationship is going to increase like never before. And God, I thank you that every conversation is going to be a conversation full of grace. Full of grace. Lord, that their conversation is not going to be condemning. Thank you, their conversation is not going to be critical. Thank you, their conversation is not going to be pointing. But Lord, I pray that they can have conversation that is full of grace. And Lord, I thank you that we are going to be individuals and spouses that when we think it and when we think something good we're going to say it i thank you lord that when we when we uh uh think something special we're going to do it and lord when we want something different we're going to be it This is going to happen in every one of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Every one of our marriages. Thank you, Jesus. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you're here this morning and you need prayer for any area of your life this morning, any area, maybe you're just going through a really difficult season right now. Maybe it's a health challenge and you need God to touch you physically healthy, in a healthy way. Maybe you're going through some, some, some change and, and you need his guidance and you need his direction in your life. Maybe you're being challenged right now financially. Maybe you're unemployed and you need a job. Maybe you've got a lot of worry and, and, 
and anxiety happening in your life right now. If you need prayer for anything right now in your life and you just need somebody to come into agreement with you, stand up right there at your seat. Right there. Just stand up if you would this morning. Amen. Just stand up. If you need some, some prayer this morning, thank you, Jesus. I know one thing, and that is our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? You just really could use a touch from God. You just stand up right there. All right. Now, church, look around. If there's anybody near you and you'd like to put your hand on their shoulder, if you want to get out of your seat, make your way to somebody specific. Otherwise, just stretch your hands out towards any one of these that are standing right now, okay? And let's just ask God to touch their hearts and touch their lives. Father, we just lift up every single one of these individuals to you. I thank you, Lord, that you are a mountain-moving God. And I thank you, Lord, that you can touch every single one of these individuals in a special way. I thank you, Lord, that we're lifting up every one of them in their physical bodies. Lord, by your stripes, they are healed in Jesus' name. Lord, some of them are praying for direction and guidance in their life. And I thank you, Lord, that you are guiding and directing them every step of the way. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for financial breakthroughs. And I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Father, for guidance. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom and revelation. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that that worry is not going to have a stronghold on their life. But, Lord, as they cast their cares on you, you care about their every single need. And Father, we give you all the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, a big hand clap this morning. Amen.